America prepares for more Black Lives Matter allied chaos as the Chauvin trial ends and the media continue to make excuses for insurrection from the left. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their internet. Join them at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you've heard it said, there are only two sure things in life, death and taxes. It's a Benjamin Franklin quote. Well, now there's a third. If you are with Verizon, AT&T or T-Mobile, switching to PureTalk will certainly save you money. In fact, PureTalk saves the average family of four over $800 a year. Here's the best part. You don't have to sacrifice coverage because it's the exact same network as one of those providers. Switching is really easy. You keep your phone, you can keep your number, or you can get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. Here's the beautiful thing about this. If you go over on the data, they're not going to charge you for it. So all of these big wireless companies, they'll tell you, you need unlimited data. Unlim- well, you don't need unlimited data. You need unlimited talk and unlimited text and six gigs of data for 30 bucks a month, especially because, again, if you go over, Pure Talk USA isn't going to charge you for it. Just one of the many reasons they've been named the top wireless provider by Consumer Affairs. From your cell phones, I'll pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. You'll save 50% off your very first month. That is pound 250, say Ben Shapiro to get started. Pound 250 on your cell phone and then say Ben Shapiro and get started with my friends over at Pure Talk USA and save yourself hundreds of bucks a year in the process. All righty. So this week, we are supposed to get a verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. It could go either way. I mean, that's just a a frank assessment of the way the evidence was presented. I thought the defense presentation was frankly kind of weak. I thought the prosecution presentation, as I mentioned, was frankly kind of weak. I think the defense may have been better off just saying the prosecution didn't prove its case. The prosecution did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Derek Chauvin committed either second or third degree murder or manslaughter. And I think they might have gotten away with that because the fact is that the prosecution case did not really get all the way there in terms of causation. There was serious question as to whether George Floyd died of excited delirium, whether he died of a drug overdose, whether he died of his pre-existing heart condition. There's serious question as to whether Derek Chauvin used a level of force that was unjustified under the circumstances to the extent that he would be prosecuted for manslaughter. All of that may be true, maybe not. There's certainly doubt. And so for a jury to find reasonable doubt in all three of these charges would not be completely wild. It would be kind of wild to me if you were convicted of murder on these charges. The manslaughter charge is the one that seems like the most likely scenario would be a conviction. Andy McCarthy over at National Review has sort of a similar assessment of the evidence that if you were on the jury, he thinks maybe he might vote in favor of manslaughter, but probably not in terms of the of the actual murder charges. The judge is going to lay out the jury instructions, and those are going to make a large difference in terms of how the jury finds, presumably, if the jury has listened to the case. If that is the case, then the defense is in trouble because the judge has been extraordinarily biased toward the prosecution throughout this process, beginning with the with the with the judge's refusal to move the venue of the trial and then continuing with the judge's reinstatement of the third degree murder charge, which really doesn't apply. And then continuing with the judge allowing a full week of testimony from onlookers just talking about how disturbed they were by the entire event, which, of course, is not probative in any way and actually does not constitute any sort of evidence as to the guilt or innocence of the party involved. In any case. All of this is ancillary. And here's the problem in America, folks. All of this is ancillary. Now, normally in a criminal trial, the criminal trial is the central issue. Normally in a criminal trial, what's happening in that courtroom is the central issue. What happens with the defendant is the central issue. What happened to the victim is the central issue. In this trial, that is not the case. And this has been true in the United States for quite a while. It is completely ancillary. The only thing that trial is, is a wick. Okay, is the wick going to get lit or is the wick not going to get lit? If Chauvin is convicted, the wick presumably will not be lit. If Chauvin is acquitted, the, the wick will be lit and there will be a massive conflagration and everybody knows this, which means that we have been treated 
to the spectacle of the press running around since January 6th, saying that the largest scale threat to the American government, the largest scale threat to our way of life, is a bunch of tool bags running into the Capitol building wearing Vikings horns. Okay, now, here's the thing. That was terrible. I talked about it extensively. I said that it was some of the worst imagery I'd seen in America since 9-11. The idea of rioters running into the Capitol building itself and occupying the speaker seat and threatening the Speaker of the House and threatening the Vice President of the United States just after the President had spoken. And to be clear, that was a breakaway group. There were probably 100,000 people who were there to hear Trump speak. And then there was a small group of morons who decided that it would be a great idea to go take over the Capitol building. It was dangerous and it was vile. The notion that this provided some sort of large-scale threat to the Republic was asinine, as proved by the fact that the minute that those people were cleared out, Congress went right back to its chamber and did exactly what it was going to do in the first place. There was never a true threat to overthrow the government of the United States on January 6th, not in any practical, meaningful way. There's a true threat in the sense that these people were threatening to do so, but they didn't have the power to do so. What we are watching right now across the United States, however, is an attempt to overthrow. And we are looking at getting rid of systems in the United States, specifically on the basis that they are all corrupted at their root and they must be torn out. And if it has to happen through violence, it will happen through revolutionary aggression. What we're watching is the rise of left-wing authoritarianism aided and abetted by the media and by the Democratic Party. It is aided and abetted by people in power. If you're talking about an attempt to overthrow systems of the American government, you have to pay attention when that is happening from within the House. In the same way that it would have been a much bigger story and a much more important story January 6th if there had been members of Congress or the Trump administration actively colluding with people to overthrow the republic, the notion that you have people in power in the United States who are actively willing to overthrow things like due process, who are actively willing to overthrow things like fealty to law, who are actively willing to overthrow the idea of equal rights under the law in pursuit of some sort of utopian equity scheme, that is a form of soft insurrection. And that is deeply, and in some cases, hard insurrection. It is deeply disturbing to watch. How is it that we are living in a country where we are at the point where we are worried that if the mob does not get its way in the Chauvin trial, Right or wrong, if they don't get their way, we know that things will burn. Can you think of anything else in American life that is like this? Seriously, can you think of any other example that is like this, where you know that if a group of people does not get its way, that that group of people will run around burning things and the media will cheer them and members of a major American party will proceed to clap them on the back and call them friends. Even after the the January 6th incident, did you see lots of Republicans emerging from the woodwork to talk about how these people were wonderful and justified? Can you name five mainstream Republicans who said this? I can't because they don't exist. But you can't find anybody in the Democratic Party to condemn Black Lives Matter riots. You can't find that if they condemn the rioting, they certainly won't condemn the underlying ideology of the rioting. You won't find five Democrats in America to talk about what's happening in Portland. You won't find five Democrats in America to talk about the simple fact that if the Chauvin trial does not end with the conviction of Derek Chauvin, what you will end up with is the burning down of American cities. And everyone knows this. That's the thing. This is not a secret. We all know this is what's going to happen. They're being clear about this. Imagine any other cause in American life where the entire system would just accept the fact that America is supposed to shut down and allow things to burn if a group of people does not get its way under due process of law in the United States. We're not even talking about people not getting their way in terms of legislation or people not getting their way in terms of a presidential election, we are talking about people not getting their way in terms of a conviction of an individual who's being charged with murder and manslaughter and may spend decades in prison if convicted. Can you imagine anything else like this in America? And yet we just accept it. It's just the normal. This is the normal. Okay, well, when this becomes the normal, that means the insurrection is inside the house. That means the insurrection is not 
a threat from outside. It is a threat that is being promulgated from outside and inside. It's an inside-outside game. This is nothing new in American politics, honestly. If you go back to major American cities in the 1960s when they were burning, sometimes you would have politicians actively fomenting people outside the government participating in insurrectionary behavior so they, they could turn around and say, I need to appease these people or they might burn down the house. That's sort of what you're seeing right now in American politics. We'll get to more of this in just one second because the, the utter sort of casualness with which we are treating the fact that we all know that America is going to burn if Chauvin doesn't get convicted is indicative of something far deeper and far more scary than anything that happened on January 6th. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact nobody wants to stand in line at an auto parts store. That's why you ought to use the internet for this sort of stuff. Why would you go to an auto parts store, wait in line, you get to the front of the line. Finally, at the very end of that line, you answer a bunch of questions and they say they need to order the part in line, then they upcharge you. Why would you do that? Instead, just go to rockauto.com and cut out the middleman. Rock Auto is so much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things like, quote, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And you're, you're not going to know the answer to that right off the top of your head. Instead, just go online, answer all the questions, get your part. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The RockAuto.com catalog is unique, Remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Head on over to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, and write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Okay, so according to Axios, Minnesota is waking up to images of an occupied city on Monday as the city and the world awaited a verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. Residents running errands, picking up dinner, and heading to the dog park in recent days encountered heavily armed National Guard troops stationed throughout the city. Some streets downtown are barricaded as far from the courthouse as Hennepin Avenue, and even more businesses across Minneapolis and St. Paul are boarded up. Now, we've been treated to the narrative from the left that all of Washington, D.C. had to be enclosed in barbed wire because of the threat of January 6th. And then it turns out that the Capitol Police officer, the next Capitol Police officer, who was murdered by somebody attempting to do harm to the system, was in fact a member of the Black Hebrew Nationalists I believe, right? He was, a, he was a radical nation of Islam follower or something. Can't remember his exact affiliation. He certainly was not a white supremacist. Okay, and that story just disappeared. Blip, gone, right? Nobody, nobody paid attention to it because it didn't fit the narrative. But the idea behind the barbed wiring of the Capitol was that this was an on, January 6th was an ongoing, ever-present threat. Remember, we were told in the aftermath of January 6th that on Inauguration Day, there would be giant protests around the country and things would burn. Didn't happen. Okay, but we all know that major American cities are going to burn because major American cities are already burning thanks to the Derek Chauvin trial and because of police incidents with people of color. According to Axios, for months, officials and residents have braced for the possibility of more unrest at the culmination of the trial. Operation Safety Net, a centralized command of state and local law enforcement, was formed to prevent a repeat of the fires and looting that followed George Floyd's killing last summer. But the jury deliberations, which will begin following Monday's closing arguments, are coming at an especially fraught time. The police shooting of 20-year-old Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center has already raised has already raised heightened community tensions ahead of the verdict. Crowd control tactics, including tear gas and other uh, tear gas and other less lethal munitions, and treatment of the press sparked intense backlash from protesters, local lawmakers, even doctors. The Minneapolis City Council passed a largely symbolic resolution on Friday seeking to rein the operation in. Some activists and local lawmakers are calling on Governor Tim Walls and mayors to dismantle Operation Safety Net altogether, right? They're, these are people who are fine with people rioting and looting. Businesses remain on edge. 
Last week's crime spree targeting Twin Cities establishments rattled many. Given those stakes, leaders in the business community are also defending Operation Safety Net. Minneapolis Regional Chamber CEO Jonathan Weinhagen told the Axios, quote, Safety Net has been effective and efficient and done the work it was supposed to do. But that does not mean that things aren't going to shut down. They are shutting down. According to ESPN, the NBA has instructed teams to be vigilant about the impact of a potential verdict this week in the Derek Chauvin trial for the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, including the possibility of game postponements, sources told ESPN. The looming specter of possible protests, civil unrest, and team reactions in the aftermath of a verdict has the league office preparing for the prospect that a night or two of league games could be postponed this week, sources said. Used to be, by the way, in the United States that only a natural disaster or a world war would actually postpone national games like this. But now, anytime there is a controversial verdict on a racial issue, we have to postpone NBA games. The Minnesota Timberwolves and Brooklyn Nets postponed a game last week after the police shot an unarmed black man, Dante Wright, during a traffic stop in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. The Timberwolves started a four-game, seven-day Western Conference road trip on Sunday in Los Angeles. The, the NBA and WNBA postponed a full slate of playoff games after another black man, Jacob Blake, was shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, during the NBA restart in Orlando, Florida. The Milwaukee Bucks boycotted a playoff game against the Orlando Magic, triggering a full stoppage of league games for three days. That was not because of fear of violence. That was because members of the league decided they were full-on in favor of people burning things and rooting, rioting and looting, apparently, in favor of Jacob Blake, a man who had been accused of digital rape and who, by the way, pulled a knife on police officers. So we are now living in a situation in which any incident that is portrayed by the media as a racial injustice is cause for cities to burn and NBA games to be postponed. And by the way, public schools to go distance. According to Minnesota CBS Local, in anticipation of a verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial next week, Minneapolis public schools said in a letter to families that all grades will transition to distance learning Wednesday through Friday. So children are being forced home from school. By the way, doing amazing work on behalf of black children in Minneapolis, sending them home from public school. That's probably good for the kids. You send them home because things are great. Keeping kids out of school, that's the solution. So they're shutting down all the schools between Wednesday and Friday because of the Chauvin trial. What does this mean? It means mob justice is likely to rule in the Chauvin trial, which is bad for Derek Chauvin. It also means that we're living in a country where we all expect that mob violence is going to break out when things don't go the way that the mob wants. That is not something that should be expected in a country that has rule of law. If you, if you have a few things that you can expect as a citizen of the United States. One should be you can expect a certain level of safety and security in your community, not just from cops who are supposedly the deep abiding threats to your community, which is a lie, but you should be able to expect that your community is not going to go up in flames. You ought to be able to expect that every time there's a criminal trial or a shooting without any evidence, by the way, because we've seen riots and looting after incidents that don't even end with a trial because it turns out that the shoot was good. We all know how this is going to go. The fact that we expect this is, number one, the soft bigotry of low expectations for Black Lives Matter protesters slash rioters. And number two, part of a full scale belief by the left, that this is just the armed insurrectionist wing of a broader movement that ought to lay low America's institutions and ideologies. But these people are just a little too passionate. They're not bad. They're not truly bad. They're just passionate. They're not doing anything that's truly wrong. They're just raging out of control because after all, this rage is justified. If you're talking about the danger to the systems of the United States, I'm again, not talking about the dangers of racism because most of these situations, in fact, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of a situation in the, in the past few years that has resulted in riots and looting that eventually ended up being chalked up to actual racism. Usually it's police misconduct, police brutality, police accident, or police doing the right thing, and it ends with rioting and looting. 
But the systems that people wish to tear down are systems of due process of law, systems of individual justice, and systems of private property. These are systems that BLM explicitly opposes in many cases. And private property being one of them, unless you're Patrice Cullors, buying a $1.4 million estate in Topanga Canyon with all the white folks. And, and again, aided and abetted by the institutions in our society. Corporations are mirroring this. The media mirror this. Joe Biden mirrors this. Sure, your politicians who don't want to see things burn because it makes them look bad will say a word every so often. Joe Biden will say, I don't like rioting and I don't like looting. How about this? How about say that the police are not going out and willy-nilly shooting black people for no reason? Instead, you have Joe Biden out there saying that black people are being targeted by the police on the basis of race, that America has a systemic racism problem within its police. Of course, he switches his tune every time a police officer is killed. Then, he, then he'll stand by the casket and talk about how wonderful police officers are. But that's not the overarching message as to how he thinks the system of policing in the United States works. This coming from a man who sponsored the 1994 crime bill. Okay, we'll get to more of this in just one second. Because if you are talking about the real insurrection inside the United States, the most dangerous insurrectionists and their enablers, that is not happening in terms of the January 6th QAnon crazies. Okay, that is happening from a mainstream ideology that has taken over the Democratic Party and that is rife in the media and rife in the universities and, and is being cudgeled into the corporations, into the corporate culture. The institutions under which we live our lives are being gradually infused with a viewpoint that means the overthrow of traditional American values. And traditional American values is not a euphemism. I mean values expressed in the Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States. Doesn't get more, doesn't get much more traditional than that. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk for a second about your nutrition. Okay, the reality is that if you want to get healthy and stay healthy, you need to know how to make decisions. Because if you want to stay healthy, healthy is a lifestyle. It's not just a diet. Most diets end up with you yo-yoing. Right? You, you lose some weight and then you gain some weight and you don't stick with it. Noom is a habit-changing system. That is what Noom is there to do. They give you the knowledge, tools, and confidence to make strategic choices that turn into long-term habits. Those long-term habits turn into a healthy, happier you. Noom is based in science built by psychologists. Noom doesn't give you rules. Instead, teaches you how to think so you can accomplish your personal health goals, stick with them long-term, and get healthy for good. Based in psychology, Noom will teach you why you make the choices you do and give you the tools to replace your habits with healthier ones. Noom's cognitive behavioral approach means you're not just improving your health, you're getting the knowledge and habits you need to stay healthy. That is super important because, again, you got to get nutrition and health into your lifestyle, and Noom helps you do this by changing the way you think. Over 80% of Noomers finish the program. Over 60% have stuck with their goals for at least one year, which is huge. There is a science to getting healthier. It's called Noom. My wife has been using Noom. I've been using Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M.com slash Shapiro. Learn how to get healthy with Noom. Sign up for your trial today, Noom. N-O-O-M.com slash Shapiro. That's N-O-O-M.com slash Shapiro. Okay, again, this is this is part and parcel. This mentality that if the Chauvin trial doesn't go the way that people want it to go, that things burn, that is part of a broader mentality, which is that if we don't get our way, the systems of the United States are to blame because America's systems are corrupt and they need to be torn down to the root. So Chris Cuomo, and this is enabled by your media. First of all, before we even get to the media, let me just say that there are incidents all over the United States that the media just don't want to cover as national issues. And what counts as a national issue is a data point that backs a media narrative. Or even a data point that doesn't quite fit into the media narrative, but could be theoretically interpreted to maybe fit into the media narrative. Those are stories that are national stories. Kermit Gosnell killing babies after they're born doesn't fit into the media narrative about abortions. So that's a local crime story. Derek Chauvin is a national news story because you can maybe, if you twist it and turn it and view it through the the prism of systemic racism, maybe you can get to the idea that George Floyd died because of deep-seated American racism, as opposed to George Floyd's own actions in resisting arrest, his 
his being high as a kite on fentanyl, his previous health condition, and maybe the misapplication of force by Derek Chauvin. Right? If you twist it and turn it, you can fit into the narrative. So maybe it is a national news story. But there are other stories that are not national news stories because they don't fit the narrative. Like, for example, cops being attacked with Molotov cocktails in New York City. This, of course, is never going to fit the narrative. So you had a situation in which the police had a some sort of chemical thrown on them. They followed the guy. He proceeded to get out of his car and throw a Molotov cocktail at them. And then when they arrested him, they found a bunch of other Molotov cocktails in his car. Here's a little bit of body cam footage from the from the incident. What are you going to for? Huh? What are you going to for? I got a dude in my water. Well, it's not there. That's fine. You can open the door if you want. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. 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 But, but why should why should traffic cops have uh, have guns? Well, why, why should the cops be able to defend themselves? Obviously, people put, getting pulled over are never going to do anything bad. Meanwhile, suspect fired at cops in Georgia. And not a national news story because even though it does fit a narrative, which is that suspects very often do resist arrest and cops have to do things to stop those suspects. You don't want to hear about those incidents because that might lend a bit of nuance to how we treat police activity in the United States where there are well over 40, 40 million police-civilian interactions every single year in the United States, and fewer than 20 of them generally end in the death of an unarmed black person. Or at least the shooting of an unarmed black man. We don't know the statistics on on non-shootings, but it can't be much higher than that, considering that guns are the most common weapon used in the majority of these cases, presumably. Okay, here, for example, is a situation in Georgia where a suspect fired a cops. Was this a national news story? Of course not. This is from the Carroll County Sheriff's Office. How's that look to you? Look safe to you? That is a a suspect picking up a rifle, and shooting at the cops. Now, have you heard a lot of calls for uh, for gun control on the basis of this particular footage? Nope, because this footage does not fit the narrative. You call for gun control when it's a white person shooting up a Walmart. You don't call for gun control when it is a, a suspect of color shooting at the cops using a gun like that. Then you just ignore it, and it's not a national news story. We just, then you literally just don't talk about it. Then it is just not a national news story in any way, shape, or form. And the, again, the insurrectionist viewpoint here that the United States is evil and needs to be overthrown from the inside if possible and forced from the outside if necessary has become extremely common on a wide variety of topics in this area. I mean, Maxine, now we get to the media and we get to the Democrats who are, who are softly backing this sort of stuff. Again, the rioting in Portland has been ongoing for months at this point. As John Sexton points out at Hot Air, rioting and arson, uh, rioting and arson in Portland have been continuing for literally months. There was a fatal police shooting at a park in Portland Friday morning. It started when a call was placed to the cops reporting a white man pointing a gun in the park. Police arrived. According to a witness who filmed the encounter, the man became irate. He was shirtless, didn't appear to be armed at that point, though the witness said he'd seen him with a gun earlier. Police attempted to issue orders and locate the gun. The man bent down to pick something off, of, off the ground. One of the officers shot him, and the man died at the scene. Now, again, you notice that's not a national news story because it's a white person getting shot by the cops. Friday evening, there were two protests announced. An Antifa account called for occupation of the park where the shooting happened. They said that BLM was not welcome because, quote, this is, again, according to Antifa, to be clear, Black Unity and BLM squad are not welcome at the occupation because all they do is bring megaphones to exploit Portland's white guilt and swoop bleep. Okay. Sounds kind of racist. Both the Antifa and BLM march blocked traffic, but the Antifa march was eventually declared a riot. It was the third riot in five days. And you know, of course, had the footage because this is some of the stuff that he covers. You can see Portland burning. And they targeted the Portland Historical Society and the first Christian church in downtown Portland. They spray painted no more history 
on the Oregon Historical Society, which, I mean, at least they're uh, saying the quiet part out loud right there. They, tra- they targeted Nordstrom and Nike, so all of Nike's wokeness didn't buy them any help from Antifa. Meanwhile, and they painted killed cops on the side of buildings, which is always great. Meanwhile, rioters decided that they were going to go hog wild in Oakland as well. Apparently, they breached a target. It was a very racist target, so that needed to be stopped. They smashed out the windows of a target and started looting. Uh, that, was, that was a really good way to, uh, to fight American racism is by targeting the target. In New York, there was, there was scuffling between the police and protesters in Washington, D.C. Groups were launching fireworks at people and having altercations between police and protesters. Protesters were trying to disturb people dining. They were, they were chanting about how you're dining while people are dying, which is literally true all over the world, actually. It turns out that every time somebody is eating, somebody is simultaneously dying on planet Earth. Who knew? Okay, and when I say that this is being fomented and, and encouraged by members of the media, I don't know any other way to read it other than the, the media really kind of tutting this stuff, pretending that it doesn't really matter. Because again, these are just the most ardent of the, of the protesters. It is not that they are doing something that is different in kind. They're just doing something that's different in degree, which is why it's not a big deal to the left when Maxine Waters says that Black Lives Matter should get more confrontational if Chauvin isn't convicted. This is the same woman who declared during the L.A. riots that it was the L.A. uprising. The same woman who declared just a few years ago that you should actively confront members of the Trump administration if you see them in public. So it's not a surprise to hear Maxine Waters generating sympathy for people who to, to get actively violent. We have got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that they say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we mean business. They have to know that we resist a verdict in a court of law, that we resist this. Hey, how's that anything but sympathy for people who are rioting and looting? I'm having a hard time finding any rational interpretation here other than that. We have to get more confrontational. We have to stay on the streets. Imagine if, if Republican lawmakers had said the exact same thing in the aftermath of January 6th. Can you name any who did? Seriously, I can't. Maxine Waters has been saying this stuff for 30 years in Congress, and not a Democrat will condemn her, not one. There won't be a single one. Meanwhile, the media providing cover for this sort of stuff, even in soft ways. The, the, again, soft bigotry of low expectations with regard to behavior. So CNN, Miguel Martinez, he was at, at some of these riots the other night in Minneapolis. And some of these protesters went over and started attempting to confront, as Maxine Waters might say, the members of the media. And here's Miguel Martinez kind of, eh, you know, they're just angry. Somebody hit me with a water bottle, and then we sort of just started moving toward our cars. They continued to sort of pelt us with whatever they could find. Uh, we got in the car, and we took off. I, I, I cannot blame them for being angry, but, you know, a lot of people are very angry, suspicious of the press, the corporate media. All those things come into it at these places, and uh, it was just one of those situations that it was intense. There were people who were angry at everything and everybody. And we happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, we happen to be in the... Actually, no, you were in the right place at the right time doing what is called reporting. And then a bunch of people acting like garbage decided to attack journalists. It's unbelievable. This is on CNN. I cannot blame them for being angry. Now, just imagine for a second that this has been a, a crowd of Trump protesters angry at, at everything from Covington, Catholic coverage from CNN to the Russia collusion nonsense pushed by CNN for years. And imagine that they had actually started assaulting journalists. It would be a national news story. 
It'd be a national news story about how Trump supporters are viciously anti-media, how Trump had driven the violence, and how the true authoritarian threat against the press in the United States is coming from the right. Right? And we all know this. CNN tried to generate that story even without evidence that people were really targeting the press in mass numbers. They tried to generate that for years. And yet here you have active examples of rioters and looters and protesters who are actively mobbing and harming journalists. And you have the journalists themselves saying they were very angry. I can't blame them. The reason you can't blame them is because you agree with them. That is why you can't blame them. Because you, the objective journalists, have taken the view that they are correct on the merits. And because they're correct on the merits, they're just your allies. They're just your allies who are a little out of control. They're just your allies who may have have gone just a little bit too far. If that isn't fomenting the ongoing insurrection against systems of justice in the United States, I don't know what is. You're literally you're, you're literally saying, okay, you hit me in the head with a water bottle, but you know what? You know what? Your heart was in the right place. Your aim was off, but your heart was in the right place because they're they're just they're against the corporate media, you know. They're just against the system. And we're against the system too. They just don't know we're against the system. We were in the wrong place at the wrong time because if we were in the right place at the right time, what we really would have been is we would have been standing next to them is the reality. That's an, it's an unbelievable quote from a, from a so-called journalist. I can't blame them. Name a situation anywhere else on earth where you would say, I can't blame the protesters for attacking journalists. Can you name one? Seriously, can you name a situation where journalists are like, yeah, I got attacked by the protesters, but you know what? Their heart was in the right place. So really it's my fault. Really, it's my fault. Again, this part, it's part and parcel of a broader narrative pushed by the American left that you can do anything you want so long as you are anti the system. It plays into the whole system of white supremacy narrative that is generated by the same CNN. Here's Chris Cuomo the other day saying police reform is only not happening because it's black people getting shot, which is statistically untrue. More white people are shot by the cops every year than black people. And yet here's Chris Cuomo, dolt of the century, suggesting, and, and by the way, congenital liar when it comes to coverage of his brother and, and corrupt as all get out. Here he is still on CNN, still reporting on CNN, suggesting that police reform only starts when white people's kids get shot by the cops. Gun laws, access to weapons. Oh, you, I know when they'll change. Your kids start getting killed. White people's kids start getting killed. Smoking that doobie that's actually legal probably in your state now, but they don't know what it was. And then the kid runs and it pop, 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 pop. Cop was justified. Why'd you run? Oh, he had a baseball game tonight. Oh, the white kid. Oh, big family. That house over there. Those start piling up. What is going on with these police? What a joke our media are. And not, not just a joke, a dangerous danger. They're, you know, it's not a joke because it's serious. They're just, I mean, this is dangerous stuff. They are fomenting narratives about the United States that are untrue. And in the process, they are making excuses for people who are writing. And they've been doing it for months. Okay, this is nothing new. They've been doing this going back a year. They were making excuses for the mostly peaceful protests that were breaking out all uh, around America's cities. Okay, by the same standard that what was going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, or LA, or Washington, or Chicago, or New York, or any other major American city that broke into flames during the George Floyd riots, by, by that same token, January 6th was a mostly peaceful protest because most of the people there didn't go into the Capitol building. That is not how that bleep works. Okay, but the media, again, are in, they are invested in this lie. They are invested in the insurrectionist cause, which again is to tear down equal systems of justice in the United States, due process of law in the United States, individual rights in the United States, a belief that we should be treated as individuals in the United States, a belief that you have actual rights to your property and against government. Right? All that has to be torn down. And if that means incentivizing a few people to go loot a footlocker, then you know what? That's just the way things are going to go. If it means incentivizing Minneapolis schools to shut down for two days so kids can't go to school, no problem. If it means making sure that NBA games are canceled, 
If it means making sure that we all are on notice, we, the American citizen, the body politic, we are on notice that should this trial go the wrong way, your city burns and we will just cover it. And if we get hit in the coverage by the by the rioters, that's our fault, guys, because they, they're really good hearted. They're just angry. They're just angry. They're complicit in this. They're fomenting this. Okay, that does not mean that they are individually responsible for for people going and committing criminal acts, because, again, human beings have agency. But you are part of a broader movement that makes excuses for this crap. No question. Because you're doing broader good. Right. That's the idea. And it's our politicians. It's everybody from Maxine Waters. When Joe Biden proclaims that America is systemically racist and its police are systemically racist. But by the way, don't riot and loot. How do you think people are going to take that? When you make excuses for people being on the streets and rioting and not protesting, rioting and looting, when you make excuses for them by saying things like the media are saying, well, they're just angry. They're just angry. It would be better if they didn't riot and loot, but they're just they're angry. And let's be let's be frank. Our police are bad. What do you think is going to happen? Seriously, how stupid do you think the American people are? We now have an expectation that this is going to, an expectation, not it happens and we're shocked, not it happens and we react by going, what the hell is going on? This happens and we expect it. It is, as, it is like the sun rising in the east. Every time there is some sort of racial, not even racial incident, a projected racial incident by the media, we know things will burn. That's part of the system now. The insurrection is part of the system now. Okay, which means that things happen and we're not even surprised at them anymore. Things that should be surprising and shocking are not surprising to us. For example, the former Santa Rosa home of Barry Broad, this is Santa Rosa CBS reporting. Barry Broad testified as a defense witness in the Derek Chauvin murder trial. It was smeared, his home, his former home, was smeared with animal blood. A severed pig's head was dumped on the front porch in an early Saturday morning vandalism attack. Don't worry, it's not a national news story, guys. Not a national news story because after all, he did testify for the defense. Now imagine that one of the witnesses in the George Floyd killing had a had a white supremacist arrive on their doorstep, paint it with blood, and dump a pig's head on the doorstep. Would that be a national news story, you think? Would that lead news coverage for a week? You bet. But Barry Broad testifies for the defense, and somebody covers his former home where they thought he lived in blood and dumps a pig head on his front door. No problem whatsoever. Investigators believe the vandals thought that Broad still lived at the residence, but he hasn't been a Santa Rosa resident for a number of years. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff happening in our country. And all this, this is all part of the healing. Don't you feel the healing breaking out? When I say the media are complicit in this sort of stuff, I mean they're complicit in this sort of stuff. Jason Wen is an Emmy-nominated investigative reporter in Utah for ABC. He tweeted out a picture of a man entering a home in Utah. It was reported by The Guardian as well. Okay, the picture of the man. What did this man do? He was a Utah paramedic. He had the temerity to donate, I believe, $10 to Kyle Rittenhouse's defense in Wisconsin. Kyle Rittenhouse, of course, is the 17-year-old who shot and killed a person during the Kenosha, Wisconsin riots. He claims in self-defense, and the tape tends to back him up. Somebody donated money to his legal defense fund. The media went to his door and took a picture of him entering his house. This is not journalism. This is activism, which is, of course, why the journalists you're seeing are fully in league with the activists. They're like, we're on the same side, man. I'm just holding a camera. We know. Alrighty, coming up, we'll get to the broader argument, of course, which is that America is racist in all of its iterations. First, you know how strongly I believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility? Our founding fathers knew these were cornerstones of a great civilization, which is why they created the Second Amendment in the first place, to secure every American's fundamental human right to protect themselves, their family, and their community. 
Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility. Building rifles is no different. That's why I'm so impressed with Bravo Company Manufacturing. The people at Bravo Company MFG support the right of responsible private individuals to have the access and ability to employ the same tools as civilian law enforcement as a means of defending ourselves, our loved ones, our communities, and our freedoms should a threatening situation ever arise. BCM assumes when a rifle leaves their shop, it will be used in a life or death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or soldier overseas. Qualities of the utmost value to them. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans. I own a BCM rifle. It is a tremendous piece of machinery. And I own it for one reason one reason alone. I am concerned about defense of myself, defense of my family, defense of my rights. That's why I own it. Not for target shooting, not for hunting, not for skeet shooting. I own it because I want to defend my rights. BCM knows this, and that's why they make their tools the way they make their tools. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, upcoming news. That is bravocompanymfg.com. If you need more convincing, find out even more about BCM and the awesome people who make their products at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. All righty, coming up, we'll get into the broader argument, which is that everything in America is racist. America's history, America's institutions, everything in America is racist, and that justifies the insurrectionist attitude that we are seeing throughout the media, throughout our politics, and on the streets of the United States. First, it's almost time for another new episode of Candace. This week's special guest, Dana White, president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is the largest mixed martial arts MMA organization on planet Earth. Under Dana's leadership, the UFC has grown into a globally popular multi-billion dollar enterprise. The show streams on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central at dailywire.com. You can get the audio podcast Candace on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe today. Be sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You can also become a Daily Wire member by going to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We have a ton of great content, including our new show, my new show, Debunked. It also airs every Friday in which I take a leftist myth and debunk it. Again, if you're not a member, Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe, join today. By the way, we need your membership because the reality is that the big tech companies want to toss us offline, right? I mean, they want to toss everybody on the right offline. The way that you protect against that is by becoming a member so that we can continue to bring you the content you want and we just go right around their systems. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe, join today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Again, the narrative when it comes to January 6th is that it was part of a broader American movement. Where's the broader American movement? Where is it? Where's the broader American movement that seeks to overthrow America's institutions, completely rewrite them, destroy them from the inside, get rid of rights in the Constitution of the United States, get rid of the notion of individual rights? Where is that? Seriously, where is the broad movement? What I see was some nuts, because statistically speaking, that's what we were watching. It was like several hundred people. What I'm watching on the other side is institutions that have been completely collapsing from the inside in favor of of a mentality that says that America's basic notion of itself is not only wrong and unjustified, but needs to be torn asunder. Which is why you have people like LZ Granderson appearing on ABC's This Week saying that America continues to be white supremacist. In terms of Marjorie Greene and that particular caucus, um, in denouncing her, many Republicans talked about how America wasn't built on these ideas. The reality is this country was built on white supremacy. And the reason why she supported it is because white supremacy is still very much a part of the American fabric. So until we can acknowledge that, we're okay, going to constantly be addressing these to, racial issues, particularly as it pertains we're gonna to the We're going to have to end there, but you made your point. And Martha Raddatz, uh, everybody here is, uh, is nodding along. It's very important that everybody nod along to, to all of this nonsense. Because if you, if, you, if you don't nod along, this means that you're not woke. It means that you don't understand America's horrific history with race. It means that you're it means that you're just you're not part of the movement if you don't nod along 
to this sort of stuff. By the way, what LZ Granderson is referring to there is the fact that there are some of the more right-wing members of the Republican caucus, including fringe members like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who have posited that they wanted to create an America First caucus. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear is the best. I've been talking about this for years. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out. I took all the other underwear I had. I threw them out. I only wear Tommy John's. Tommy John's stylish and soft second skin underwear has dozens of comfort innovations, like a supportable contour pouch, a breathable light wick, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That America First Caucus was supposed to work toward an infrastructure that reflects the architectural, engineering, and aesthetic value that, be- that befits the progeny of European architecture. Right. Basically, people saying they don't want brutalist architecture. They want to see, you know, things that look like classical Roman architecture that is sort of the, the architecture that has traditionally characterized Washington, D.C. Also, the seven page document outlining the vision of the proposed American America First Caucus mentioned the term Anglo-Saxon. They talked about Anglo-Saxon heritage. Okay, and this was treated, of course, as evidence of deep abiding American racism, because how dare you mention Anglo Anglo-Saxon heritage? Uh, I have a, a piece of awkward news for folks. When it comes to the law and our systems, those are of Anglo-Saxon extraction. They just are. Anglo-American legal systems have been discussed by virtually every American president, including, by the way, Barack Obama, who not all that long ago was talking about the importance of habeas corpus on the floor of the Senate and talked about our Anglo-American legal heritage. Weird, because it must be a racist, that Barack Obama. The world is watching what we do here today in America. They will know what we do here today. And they'll treat all of us accordingly in the future. Our soldiers, our diplomats, our journalists, anyone who travels beyond these borders. I hope we remember this as we go forward. I sincerely hope that we can protect what's been called the Great Writ, a writ that's been in place in the Anglo-American legal system for over 700 years. By the way, you can see how all of this has shifted over the course of time for the Democrats, how terms that are not racist are now being treated as racist. If you, if you believe that Anglo, Anglo-Saxon heritage is, is, somehow a, is somehow a rip on people who are not of Anglo-Saxon extraction, I'm Jewish, okay? I have no dog in this Anglo-Saxon heritage routine. I'm of Jewish extraction. So I, like Antonin Scalia, am not somebody who feels that that particular ethnic description fits me. Here's Antonin Scalia, an Italian, talking about how Anglo-Saxon heritage has shaped the United States. This is not a matter of historical conjecture. This is a matter of historical fact. Here's, here, you can call it racist as much as you want, but the simple fact is that there are many good things about our Anglo-Saxon heritage. As a culture, those are good. Nobody is saying that everybody in America needs to be Anglo-Saxon. I'd be out. Right? So it's Scalia. So probably half the country. Here's Antonin Scalia making exactly this point just a few years back in 2006. The French-Swiss professors I had would refer 
constantly to les pays anglo-sacs, the Anglo-Saxon countries, uh, meaning England, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, okay, Canada. And I said, you know, hey, my name is Scalia, and I'm as American as anybody. Look at this face. Is this an Anglo-Saxon face? I had never been in England, but at the end of my year, I went to England, and I felt at home. There is, there is no doubt that American culture, American common culture, which nobody has to belong to, originates with English culture. Okay, why is that even remotely controversial? It's controversial because anything is evidence that the true threat to America is this intense white supremacy that continues to govern our lives, despite the fact that it's pretty incredible that in a white supremacist country, a thoroughgoing white supremacist country, you can expect that every five minutes or so there's going to be a riot looting justified by the media and then tut-tutted by Democrats while saying that the rioters and looters have, have the justification of good on their side. And of course, all of this ties in that that broader American narrative that, that is being pushed by the left is about tearing away at the, at the civil institutions of the society. It's about tearing away any common commonality we have between ourselves separate from racial tribalism. It's about making the country a worse place on the basis of the argument that America is already a terrible place. And it's not true. America is not a terrible place. It is not a terrible place for black people. It is not a terrible place for white people. It is not a terrible place for green people. It is, in fact, the best country on earth to live if you are a black person. Name another country you would rather live if, you are, if you're black. Seriously, I don't know. I don't know that another country where I'd rather live as a Jew. I, I, it's an amazing, amazing country. Why the, the, the intense push by the left to rewrite the American bargain on the back of lies about what America is, and then to wink and nod at people who are engaging in acts of vandalism, looting, rioting, burning, arson, attacks on police officers, and to treat that as not some form of larger insurrectionist attempt to overthrow these institutions in the soft, non-legal sense. I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're watching. You have a right as an American to expect that the systems of power in the United States, the systems of government under the Constitution that are constrained by the Constitution and the Declaration are not overthrown by, by people who wish to see them die. But uh, I'll say that that right is certainly being infringed. All righty, we'll be back here later today for additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Knowles Show where he discusses Canada announcing a public health dictatorship. You can hear more details about that story over on Michael's show. That's available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Maxine Waters calls for more leftist street violence. The public health regime becomes permanent and Anglo-Saxons get canceled. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 